George. Did you buy that sweater knowing the red dot was on it because you could get it at a discount? What? Did I what? You did, didn't you? Elaine, I'm, I'm shocked. I, I'm shocked. Here I go out in the spirit of the season and spend all my savings to buy you the most beautiful Christmas sweater I have ever seen to show my appreciation to you at Christmas, and this is the thanks I get at Christmas. <laughs> well, Jerry told me that you did. You told her? How could you tell her? I just squealed my little girlfriend to you. I didn't tell you, stupid idiot. She tricked you. <laughs> Welcome to Talking Seinfeld, the podcast where we discuss everything we know about the show about nothing. This week we are here to review a festive episode of Seinfeld. I didn't know they had festive episodes to be honest, but it's called The Red Dot. I am Dando. I am Guy, and this is indeed the Die Hard, the Home Alone, the Gremlins of Seinfeld episodes. Very Christmassy, except not really. <laughs> What's your thoughts on... So this is, for example, like a Die Hard, where it's not a Christmas movie, but it's set at Christmas. So it's not a Christmas episode, but it's set at Christmas. Do you prefer... Things set, when you're when it's the festive season and you're sitting down in front of the fire, do you want to watch a Christmas movie or something that's kick-ass set at Christmas time? What do you prefer? I think I would prefer a Christmas movie as opposed to a movie that is set at Christmas. Yeah, I think I'm the same as well. It's got to have the, the Christmas music and it's just got to have an appearance from Santa Claus. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know where the Die Hard's a Christmas movie thing actually started but i mean if you say that then you've got to say like lethal weapon is a christmas movie because it takes place at roughly the same time yeah as long as it's set in the within two weeks either side of christmas they consider it a christmas movie now yes but no you've got to have you've got to have the tree you've got to have the present you've got to have the kids putting out cookies and milk for santa and you've got to have santa i guess because <laughs> Die Hard has the christmas party that's that's their that's their out right i guess so yeah but anyway gremlins what a Christmas movie. We'll get to that. We'll get to that eventually. We were going to record that for Christmas last year, but we... That's going to happen this year. It is going to happen this year. Speaking <laughs> of... um, Actually, well, I'll save that story for that for Four Finger Discount. But um, this episode here, really enjoyed it. I just... I like... I'm very festive I love Christmas-themed things. And even though it wasn't a Christmas-themed episode, the Christmas elements just added that little touch to me. I thought it was relatable in the sense of the George story, right? I would like to think that I'm not a cheapskate. But if I was in this situation, I'd probably do the same thing. Oh, How absolutely. about you? Yeah, absolutely, I would. I mean, it's six hundred bucks down to eighty-five. If it doesn't pay off, it was worth the it was worth the attempt. You know, it's it's a it's a good try. <laughs> it's worth it. Oh God, yeah. And if someone <laughs> if someone gave me what looked like a very nice cashmere jumper, I mean, we we never see the red dot, do we? No, so we don't know. It's all in your mind. So it could be bad. Yeah. It could be mi- minor. But the thing is, when it's a six hundred dollar jacket. Anything that's somewhat off what it should be, I guess, is a big mm-hmm. deal. But I couldn't give a flying fuck. I'd be like, yeah, it's a red dot, whatever. What are you going to do about it? <laughs> well, yeah, particularly if it's a, you know, a jumper like that. You throw a nice jacket over it. Cover up yeah. the red dot. You just you don't want cashmere to feel it anyway. It's all nice and soft. and yeah. That's true. I mean, I, I did I did appreciate this episode saying the praises of cashmere, a delightful fabric. Do you have much cashmere? I do not. My late father, Bobby, was quite into his cashmere. He, I mean, he didn't have a lot of it, but he had, you know, the odd uh, item, and which I would occasionally like, I'm going to borrow this one, Dad. <laughs> Is cashmere kind of like a, um, a piece of clothing that you wear just to sort of prove to people, I am better than you, and now you know it? <laughs> 
Uh, well, it's not really sort of leaping out and saying, I am Kashmir. I mean, you know it more than other people know it, I think, unless, of course, you're the kind of dickhead who says, by the way, the jumper I'm wearing tonight is Kashmir wool. Yeah. It's fun. It's, a, it's just a fun word to say, Kashmir. Well, it just, it reeks of elegance and stuff. It does. Yeah. Cash. Well, it's got cash in the it's title. Got cash in, it's got cash in the title, as you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. I, I don't have to worry about mere cash because I just uh, spend it all on cashmere. So, <laughs> but it feels really nice against you. I mean, yeah. uh, Dad used to have this, it was a dove grey or pearl grey cashmere roll neck jumper, like a turtleneck. Yeah, yeah. And I think I'd reached this age where I was old enough to sort of to wear it or old enough to, that it would fit on me. And I was just borrowing that shit all the time and you know, <laughs> trying to look elegant and sophisticated when I was like 17 or something. So I'm this pimple face like, hey, ladies, check me out. <laughs> <laughs> but it just felt so good. And I felt really sort of stylish and upmarket in it. So, yeah, I, yeah, I can wholly understand why, you know, when George is like, what the what? You know, <laughs> 85 down from 600. And, of course, I'll give this to a, I'll give this as a gift to, you know, someone who's done me a solid you know it's it's, it's like um well it's it's reciprocity it's you know he's doing it doing her a good deed as well what i liked about this was that elaine's response wasn't anger it was just like you dirty dog it was more like a, <laughs> i i knew it i knew it i knew you wouldn't spend as much money on me so it was more it wasn't elaine gets angry because george didn't spend 600 on it it was more a, a tongue-in-cheek yeah. Oh, you rascal. Mm. <laughs> but I, I particularly liked... I thought Jerry was very good with his mannerisms in this episode. Like the pretending was, to cry yeah. and things like that. I thought it <laughs> a really nice touch. The topic of alcohol, alcoholism is tackled in this episode. And the original script had Dick not... So it's it's off the wagon when you're bad, right? So it ended with yes. him off the wagon. Um, and they didn't get him sober again. The episode ended with him being an alcoholic again. And they thought, oh, that's a little bit too dark. So they, they said to Larry, look, you're going to have to change the ending, get him back on the wagon, which is why they slotted in the um, the banter between Jerry and Dick in the stand-up at the end. Yeah. Larry's said that he didn't think it made a difference either way. I think it does. I think if the result is Jerry ruins this guy's life. He didn't ruin- it wasn't Jerry's fault. It was, but it no. wasn't. But I think if this guy's life is ruined and he's now an alcoholic, Seinfeld is a negative show in many aspects when it comes to the humour, but I think that's a very dark way to end the episode. Oh, this guy's now a, a grumbling alcoholic. Once again, I don't think that's the right way to go about it. I'm, I think it's a, it was the right choice to make him on the wagon again. I don't know. What do you think? No, no, I agree with you. I don't think it would be necessarily awfully dark for the episode to end with, no, oh, this guy's still off the wagon. But no, I think, I, I think it's a nice ending to a generally nice episode. You know, yeah. I was actually really surprised the first time that you see Dick in the stand-up, sort of folded into the stand-up. I mean, normally it's just like, oh, these are bits you do in the uh, in the in-between just to not, not fill space or fill time or whatever. But it's like, no, these are little chapter headings or whatever. And then to actually have a character from the show heckling Jerry as a result, that's a neat swerve. Well done, Seinfeld. Nice move. Yeah, it's very, it's very unique and different. And I, I think they should have done more of it. I really liked it. I thought it added to the episode. That's what I think anyway. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, given the guy had been sober for two years and fell off the wagon not, yeah, by accident, essentially, yeah, I think having him get back on, I mean, he didn't strike me as someone who's like, oh, I can't take it anymore, I just need a drink. It was more like, oh, he fell off the wagon by accident, as I said, and um, I think he would probably make every effort to get back on after a few you know, slip-ups and that. So it makes sense that he's um, enjoying a nice cup of coffee at the uh, at the club at the end. Yeah, 
it's not very often you say it's a sweet way to end an episode of Seinfeld, but I thought this was a very sweet ending. Because like, oh, the guy's holding up his cup of coffee. Everyone's happy. Yeah. yeah I'm happy. I, I thought it was quite nice. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Jerry's kind of like, you know, including him in the, uh, including him in the, hey, you. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yes, exactly. Yeah. So they're, they're sort of friends. That is a good one still. Yeah. <laughs> one of my favourites. What were your favourite moments from The Red Dot? There were a lot. I mean, there were a lot of sort of little ones, but I think my yeah. favourite was the... Um, was it Evie, the cleaning lady? Evie was her name, wasn't it? Did we get her name? I kept saying the cleaning lady. I couldn't find it. I'll, I'll, I'll Google Evie Seinfeld. Seinfeld. Hang on. Let's have a look. Uh, Evie. Yeah, you're right. Her name is Evie. I, 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 her name escaped me, but yeah, you're right. It is Evie. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So uh, just her whole little monologue about the first time she ever touched cashmere, <laughs> she just gets more and more nuts. You know, as she's trying to wrangle this rich man, it's like, give me your cash. He's like, no, get away from me. Just the, the the steadily ramping just insanity of her speech. I thought, no, that's actually pretty funny. You know what's funny is that that was sort of like my, not my least favourite, but I just thought, I, I remember how I wrote my notes, like, it just seems a bit much, her story. Like, just her, mm. I wouldn't say she overacted, but it was just like to the point where, I don't know if this is all that funny. It's just her way she's delivering it, I guess. But I, I don't know, sometimes Seinfeld does that where they take something that isn't really necessarily funny, but it's the way that the actor overemphasizes things and whatnot, yeah. which is what she does in the story that makes it very Seinfeldy. I, I just thought of, I took that scene as sort of like an example of people who aren't who don't understand the Seinfeld humor would watch that and go, "This is why I don't watch Seinfeld because it's stupid." Okay, I know, but but yeah, I complete I can completely see what you're saying as well. What else did you like about the episode? Kramer's ad for uh, for whiskey, I thought was, was pretty great. neat as well. I just kept going, and it, it, we all have that friend who. They get a laugh and then they just keep going with it. <laughs> it's like, yeah, they're like, oh, I'm on a roll. It's funny with the this second one. time, but you can stop now. But it just, just keeps going. I thought it was funnier and funnier as he kept going. But obviously, yeah. Michael Richards' mannerisms and everything just made that what it was. Yeah. He really just made a yeah, absolute meal of that scene. Just kept, from the moment he came in and realized, oh, you're at the door. And, yes. um, yeah, but everything, uh, everything he did with the, with the, uh, with the Hennigan's ad, I thought, no, I just got a real good laugh out of that. I thought it was very, very enjoyable. I just love that, George, I think you. Ah, terrific. <laughs> I thought he just played drunk very well. Because sometimes people can play drunk and they just go, oh, man. But he was just happy. Just merry, yeah, as, as he probably would be. If we went to Diggers or whatever and there was a couple of old drunk guys at the bar, they'd be like, I think you are terrific. Like, that's, 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 they, <laughs> alcohol makes them happy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just after a few shots of Hennigan's, yeah. I mean, you're not likely to be- uh, You're not wasted. You're more no. likely to be- Oh, no, everything's good in the world. Yeah. <laughs> this dude over here, you're all right. So, yeah. I don't know who you are, but you, mate, you're you're a good bloke. <laughs> I really enjoyed Elaine figuring out George's lie where she asked him, mm. oh, Jerry told me, you told her? No, you idiot. <laughs> she, she tricked you. <laughs> I thought that was very good. I liked when George was... Jason, and this was great, in his justifications for doing things. So, when Elaine... When it comes out that he bought the jacket, you know, I've got no money. I've had no job. You know, I was I was dizzy, and he's just making up all these excuses. And Jerry behind him with the fake tears, I thought was so great. But my favorite of all, and this is actually, I watched the inside look on the DVDs of this episode, and Jason Alexander says this is to him the quintessential George moment in this in this episode. He says of all the series, when he's been fired for having sex with the cleaning lady on his desk, and he goes, "There's about ten seconds there." where you're watching every possible excuse run through George's mind. <laughs> what can I say? What can I say? What can I say? No, I can't say that. I can't say that. Was that wrong? <laughs> I'm going to have to plead ignorance on this. <laughs> just of all, the, of all the things to say to that, was that, was that wrong? wrong? Yeah. That, that's just, that is George in a nutshell. <laughs> like, he knows Just wrong. throwing it out there that, yeah, the person who sort of has the upper hand on like, 
maybe you're wrong. Yeah, yeah. He's like, <laughs> he, he, handballs, he handballs the blame to the boss. Real oh, Hail Mary if someone, if, some, yeah. if someone had told me, then I would know. But, you know, no yeah. one told me. <laughs> Could you spell that, please? No. Next question. All right, Mr. Davis, it's time for some trivia of the red dot. But before then, we've got to read out the names of our beloved Four Finger Discount $20 patrons. Remember, if you want to get a shout out on every show here on Four Finger Discount on the network, on all of our different podcasts, you're just going to be a $20 patron. Starting off with our new man on the um, on the board is Plain Old Matt. We've also got <laughs> Andrew Davis, Ryan Dunlap, Jared Howard, Christopher Trett Darby, Andrew Zur, Jordan Moleman Richie, Steamed Ham Champion Dylan Haggett, Hank Scorpio, Kevin Dental Plan, Flood, Jonathan Rossi, Zach Pruitt, Timothy Burson, Joel Yoland, Katie G, Daniel Kotnick, Shannon Hofer, Reese Roberts, George McMenemy, Stephen Roberts, Sean Devey, Bella Winderbank, Tom Pickering, Mark Boston Burgess, Groundskeeper Noah, Declan Phoenix, Lewis Kavanagh, Jack McFadden, Heath Appleby, Preston Murray, and Adric McLeod. Thank you guys for your support. Remember, if you want to get Ooh. early ad-free access to this show and all the other shows we do here on the network and get access to Zoom chats with Guy and myself every month and prize draws and the Facebook group and bonus podcasts like Tales of Futurama and Guy on Springfield and the Movie Guys, just going to be a patron. Go to patreon.com slash four finger discount. All right, Mr. Davis. Oh, yeah. I partly zoned out because like, yeah. oh, my God, this list of names is going on forever. But then I zoned right back in because, wow, every one of these names is a hero. Oh, an absolute hero. Yes, exactly right. All right, what's your first question? I'm not sure how many I have now because I think we might have answered a few of them during That's our, um, yeah. our lead up. But how many years had Dick been on the wagon? I, I think you said it. Was it two? Yeah, I think I did, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't have got that if you hadn't said it earlier. My first question is, who does George like? Which which author? or So, which writer? Uh, it's Mike Lupica, I believe. Lupica. Yeah, Lupica. Yeah, whatever. Lupica. Yeah, you got it right. Correct. Well done. <laughs> Speaking of uh, writers, Art Vandelay is responsible for which book? Oh, damn. I did not write that down. I do know that he's a beatnik, though. <laughs> um, mm. No, what is it? What's the book? Oh, well, I don't you know. Uh it's like blinds, right? Venetians? Venetian blinds? You got it. Okay, good. <laughs> so I have to think for a second there. He was doing, I don't know if you can see, I don't know if you're watching this on YouTube or just listening on the podcast format, but Dan was sort of putting his hands out like he was- Wait, um, wait. <laughs> channeling from, um, from the great beyond. It's like, no, it's coming to me. <laughs> My next question is, the sweater was marked down to $85 from which price? From $600. Correct. Well, I think we've already said that as well. <laughs> we probably have. Um, my next question to you is, what was George's temperature, he says, when uh, when he bought the sweater? You have got me there, sir. I have no idea. What was it? He said it was 103 degrees. All right. Let's see what that is in Celsius. Hmm. 103 degrees Fahrenheit to Celsius. Let's Google that. It is 39.4. That's pretty high. Pretty high. That's that's brain damage. <laughs> yes. My final question is, what movie does Elaine reference at the end? An easy one for you. When Dick's walking in. <gasps> it's... Oh, it's Cape Fear. It's Cape Fear, <laughs> yes. I say The Simpsons do an episode, one of the greatest of all time, yeah. <laughs> one last question for you, if you like. Mm-hmm. I would like, yes. <laughs> oh, okay. Then. Where is the cleaning lady from? Uh, Panama? Panama. 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 Ah. Did you rock out to Van Halen back in the day, or was it not your thing? I most certainly did. Yeah. Jump is one of the finest um, rocking out songs ever. I love the Why Can't This Be Love. Great song. 
Also, anyway, great. enough about Eddie's hair metal. We're here to talk about 90s Seinfeld <laughs> and, of course, the red dot. But we'll be right back talking about that after this short break. If you're a fan of everything we do here at Talking Seinfeld, you can support the show on Patreon, where not only will you get early ad-free access to the show, but you also get access to hours of bonus podcasts, access to our exclusive Facebook community, and so much more. So join the family today at patreon.com slash discount. Link is in the description of this podcast. If you feel like having yourself a time, then check out our new podcast, Going Down to South Park, where we go back and revisit every episode of the iconic series, dissecting the stories, reveling in chef sing-alongs, and chuckling at the occasional fart joke. Going Down to South Park is available now for free on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts. If you're looking for a podcast that'll always be there for you, look no further than our new show, The One About Friends, hosted by myself and my incredible wife, Nicola. She is literally the biggest Friends fan I know, so who better to help me as we revisit every single episode of the show, discussing the characters, fashion trends, and how this iconic series still relates to our lives to this day. The One About Friends is available now on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts. The original air date of The Red Dot was December 11th, 1991, so at least it aired around about Christmas time. It was directed by Tom Sharones and written by one Larry David. Apparently, he got inspiration for writing this story because when he used to work in an office or wherever he worked, you know, he'd be working late at night and the cleaning ladies walked by and he said he'd be very horny. He just envisioned himself just having some fun with the cleaning ladies. It's <laughs> <laughs> like It definitely sounds like something Larry David would say. I was working late and feeling horny. Yeah, exactly. The exact words. I was feeling horny. Um, but the episode starts off with some stand-up talking about Hoff Fritz. And I'm assuming this is some sort of Harris Scarf-esque show, uh, store. What was the name again? Oh, yeah, sorry, I'm- Hoff Fritz for Cutlery is what it's called. It's a specialty retail chain selling cutlery. That's all, So all they sell is cutlery, apparently. Okay. Wow. It's good to have a niche, I guess. He's saying every mall has one of those and it'd be very scary working in one of those because people walk in wanting to buy knives, you know, shut ones, ones to, to stab with, ones to slice with. <laughs> Anyway, we get it doesn't really play into the episode that one, does it? That story with the knives. Not really, no, no. But we kick off with uh, the work Christmas party at Pendant Publishing. Uh, Jerry and George are there, and they're walking in there debating about the Statue of Liberty and how it was brought to the U.S. of A. I think we've all wondered this at one point or another, didn't we? <laughs> it had to come over in pieces, didn't it? And yeah, surely. But but they but <laughs> they make fun of he makes fun of him for, for even suggesting that. So let's have a look. How was Statue Liberty? Transported. Let's find this out once and for all. After the statue was presented to Levi P. Morton, the U.S. Minister to France, on July 4th, 1884 in Paris, it was disassembled and shipped to the United States aboard the French Navy ship Isaiah. The statue then arrived in New York Harbor on June 17th, 1885 and was met with great fanfare and they reconstructed it there. So, yes, it was pulled apart and built again. Yes. There you go. By the way... Um Let's not uh, let's not forget one of the MVPs of this first scene, George's beanie. In fact, it's all throughout this episode. Is it like a Christmas beanie? I'm not sure if it's a Christmas beanie, but I do like a good beanie. Speaking of beanies, our Simpsons beanies will be available once again very soon on UncleRico.com. So look out for those on our social media pages. Absolutely, keep your- Ollie loves her um her red goggles do nothing beanie. <laughs> <laughs> keep your head warm. I was never a beanie person. But now I love them. I, they, cause they keep your, e- your ears warm. I think I used to wear beanies wrong when I was a kid. I used to tuck them behind the ears. That's, that's the wrong way. Brendan, what are you, you doing? Look, you would have looked weird. It I would have looked weird. I was wondering why everyone looked at me funny. I thought it was just because I was wearing a beanie. That's because I was wearing the beanie wrong. But yeah, I'm Correct. a big fan of beanies now. I, I, I used to love the old trucker hats. I was big on trucker hats when I was younger. 
Uh, no, I'm not a hat person anymore. I'm all, bean, all about beanies. I am very much a hat person because I have no hair. Uh, but I do have multiple beanies and many hats. But yeah, beanies are marvellous. I mean, especially, you know, during your, your well, of course, during your chillier months. But um, oh, no, I'm a big, big fan. Love them. It's like giving your head a hug. Do you have a Heisenberg-esque hat? I feel like you'd be able to rock that pretty good. I don't have a he- I don't have a Heisenberg, but I do have a hat, sort of like it. All right, cool. Make sure you wear yeah. that next time we do a podcast. I want to see it. <laughs> okay, then we'll. <laughs> um, but where were we? I walked in talking about the Statue of Liberty, of course, and just you know, countries exchange gifts. It's, it's a thing. It's, it's one of those weird concepts where countries exchange gifts, and obviously you get the big gifts like the Statue of Liberty, which is monumental mm. and historic. But sometimes you see like handing over presents, like. They don't give a fuck about the president you've given them. Why? Why are we? Can we get past this? Can we just? Can we not just accept a hello and a handshake? Why do we have to give this pathetic gift? Yeah. Why are you giving them a stuffed koala? I remember Albo was like, he went to, I think it was New Zealand. He gave him like some Aussie band records, and I was like, she's never going to listen to these. <laughs> she's given. She's given these. She's given these straight to the interns. I, mean, I, I it was a cool gift, but she's never listening to them. I think Albo and Jacinda Ardern are roughly, you know, the same vintage, and uh, Albo's got pretty good taste in music. I'm trying to remember the bands that he handed over, but they weren't like it was. It was younger bands, wasn't it? Yeah, it's not hit, like here's the latest Farnsey. It was more or, like or, or um, Midnight Oil or something. No, no, no. It was like <laughs> I want to say the Hard Ons, but I don't think it was. I think that would probably be inappropriate of Albo. A lot of um, a lot of bands took advantage of the shot though and cropped their own record into him holding it. That was that was. All the rage for that week on social media. Bands Very taking advantage wise. of that shot. <laughs> but Elaine arrives and uh, she points out that that's her new boyfriend. Oh, no, Jerry actually points out the new boyfriend standing mm-hmm. over there. And I was like, Elaine, another new boyfriend. <laughs> it's like every week <laughs> one of them has a new partner. But he's a, he, Jerry explains that he's a recovering alcoholic. And they discuss the on again, uh, on the wagon and off, off the wagon uh, term. He's a recovering alcoholic. Really? Yeah, he's been off the wagon two years. Off the wagon? I think it's off the wagon. I think it's on the wagon. Honestly, until I watched this episode, I couldn't have told you what it was. And I still even was confused at the start of this podcast. It's one of those terms where you assume off the wagon yeah. would be the good thing, right? Because you would assume on the wagon would be, I'm, I'm, I'm back onto being addicted to something. That's the way I've always portrayed it. If you're on the wagon, it's like, oh, well, if you're on the wagon, it means you're back on onto being an alcoholic. That's the way my brain's always been wired to think it, but it's the other way around. Yeah, I'm... I really should have looked up the origins of the statement on the wagon well, they, before they, we they started. Explain, they explained it in this, do they, do they not? Or maybe they explained it in something else that I watched recently, but it's to do with the um, the the wagon. When, when it was bringing the, the alcohol in, it was a bumpy ride, and the, wa- the, the alcohol would fall off the wagon, and therefore okay. it was, I don't know. Anyone who picked it up and <laughs> drank it, yeah, okay. There's something, something like something on, there's something to do with the transportation of it, and it was bumpy and it would fall no. off the wagon. That's, that's, that's where it comes from. Anyway. Uh, Elaine's very surprised that they're there because obviously they don't work there yet. And Jerry's just there to drop off the watch that he found in the sofa cushion. I like that. It's just it's something simple, but it's like it's a Christmas present. <laughs> it's, it's always cool when you you find something that belongs to your friend that you know they've been looking for for so long. It's like oh, they're going to be so excited when I give this to them. <laughs> but oh, Jerry, absolutely. Jerry takes it as an opportunity to not have to buy Elaine a present. He's just giving her something that she left there that she paid for herself. But he gives it to her as a Christmas <laughs> present. You know that Jerry will actually buy her a present though. And Elaine says, you know, today is George's lucky day because there's a job opening up because some guys just recently left. And so she goes to um goes to introduce George to the boss. And meanwhile, she leaves the new boyfriend, Dick, with Jerry just before, just after he has said, is this the guy? I was like, oh, you never want to hear that. It's just like, oh, here we go. 
Oh, I've been talked about behind my back. That line reeks of douchebag, in my opinion. Is this the guy? It does indeed. By the way, um, quick note, the guy playing Dick is an actor named David Norton, best remembered uh, for being the lead in American Werewolf in London. He sure was. Plus, he was also like the main dude in like the Dr. Pepper commercials in the 90s, apparently. Apparently so. Yes. But uh, Elaine takes George to up to meet the boss, as we said, and she gives Jerry her cranberry juice and vodka, and Dick's just drinking cranberry juice. So you're mm-hmm. Jerry. I was just like, oh, man, this guy is not making a good first impression. <laughs> so, so basically, that what they're trying to say there is Elaine has introduced or spoken of Jerry as the ex-boyfriend, right? That's, that's meant mm. to be it. This guy's clearly a little bit insecure about it. So, mm. Have you ever been dating somebody and had to meet the ex whilst being in a relationship with that person? I'm sure I have. I don't think it's... But I tend to be fairly confident in my relationships. I'm like, oh, okay, so... You're out of the picture, and I'm in the picture. <laughs> I remember, because Nicole's only ever had one ever partner before me, and she'd been separated for years before she met me. And when I went to England for the first time to, to meet her family and things, we went to the um, the wedding of her ex-partner, because I was still friends of, of, oh, the, of the family okay. and stuff. And I get there, and it's like I'd never, because Nicola was the first long-term relationship I'd been in, like proper relationship. I remember when I came face-to-face with the guy, I was just like, I'm sure if I like you. You've done nothing wrong. <laughs> I'm just not sure if I like you. <laughs> it was just, it was a weird feeling to experience because I had no reason to not like this guy. and not necessarily didn't like him, but I was just like, am I supposed to not like you? What? what? I've, I've met new partners of my ex-partner after I've you know, broken up. And, and that's a bit like, different. At least they're not currently your partner. Yeah. True. But at the same time, I was like, yeah, I don't know about you, pal. Yeah, you know, you, you, you ain't me, mate. <laughs> You ain't well, me. <laughs> but then, then you start thinking, oh, maybe they're better than me because, you know, if I if, yeah, if they weren't, I'd still be there. But anyway. Yeah. I, list, list four Kurt Russell movies right now. I bet you can't. I can. <laughs> <laughs> I'll start with one. Overboard. Do you, do you like Overboard? Uh, it's not necessarily one of my favourites. I don't think I've really rewatched it all that much. I fucking loved that movie when I was a kid. Loved it. Because ever <laughs> since I watched that movie, I've wanted to build my own mini golf course in the backyard. I just think it'd be the greatest thing. <laughs> anyway, enough <laughs> about Overboard. George is um, meeting with the boss. And he's just bullshitting his way through, as he always does. I liked uh, Julie's uh, Julie's acting here because it's always awkward when, or uh, not nerve wracking, but a little bit you get a little bit anxious when you've you've vouched for somebody, mm. and now it's come down to the moment. It's like, oh no, he, he's the person you want, and you're like, do don't it. fuck yeah. this up, please. <laughs> so, have you ever done this kind of work before? Well, the, you know, book reports, that kind of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> uh, who do you read? I, uh, I like Mike Lupica. Mike Lupica? He's a sports writer for the Daily News. <laughs> I find him very insightful. No, no, no. I mean, I mean authors. A <laughs> 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 well, uh, lot of good ones. A yeah. lot of good ones. Uh, I, I don't even want to mention anybody because I'm afraid I'm, I'm going to leave somebody out. Uh, name a couple. Who, who do I like? I like uh, Art Vandelay. <laughs> Art Vandelay? Yeah, he's an obscure writer. Uh-huh. Beatnik, you know, uh-huh. from the village. Uh-huh. What's he written? Venetian blinds. When did we first hear Vandelay Industries? When, 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 that was in the um, the, the, the stakeout, I believe. Oh, the, right. the, the one where they're waiting outside the elevator for. That, the girl that Jerry met at the party. And That's right, this yeah. like, I'm an architect. What's your name? Art Vandelay. <laughs> <laughs> it's creating the backstory for him. 
and then they uh, they return, and Rick is walked off, and he, oh, he's walking up. As he's walking up, he says, "Well, I'm funnier than you." And I was like, "Man, this guy's not very nice." But obviously, he's had a drink. Yes, he's he's, <laughs> he's an angry drunk, and they realise that Dick has drunk the vodka. And it's like, I didn't know you meant hold it. I thought you meant hold, hold it. it. <laughs> <laughs> and this is where we get the confirmation that it is indeed off the wagon. I get the feeling Dick must be a bit of a two-pot screamer if he's already... Or two-mouthful screamer. <laughs> well, yeah, if he's just, you know, had a little bit of the, um, you know, vodka and cranberry. Oh, that's known as a Cape Codder, by the way. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, and all of a sudden he's, you know, getting a bit sort of arky. Well, he was already a bit arky when he's like, is this the guy? I'm, you know. I guess so. Mm. Yeah, anyway. We're now at the women's department store. Uh, they're shopping for Elaine. George is looking for a present to buy Elaine because he's so thankful that she got him the job. And Joe's discussing here, I'm not sure about this. You know, it's a little, I'm a little too close to wearing a dress. <laughs> <laughs> well, so you spend too much time in an upmarket uh, female boutique. And it's like, wow, women do really get some nice gear, don't they? Yeah, they really do. But he points out the cashmere and it's, $85 marked down from 600 and that perks up George's interest. So wait a minute. Mm. He doesn't even take... An, obviously, if something's marked down that, sm- that much, something's wrong. <laughs> so, yeah. But he doesn't even think about that. He's just like, it's cheaper. I can get it for, for, for Elaine. And he asks the worker, what's wrong? She points out the red dot, which you don't actually see, but um, it's the red mm. dot. What's your vision of what the red dot is? Do you think it's a... Like a pen mark red dot, a, a, like a faint stain red dot? What kind of red dot are you envisioning? I'm envisioning like a, a red stain. A tiny stain. Yeah, I think like a, a pen, like a pen leaked for just a, like a, a few seconds or something. Yeah, or, or someone's like one drop of wine spilled out of a glass onto the bottom or something yeah. like that. Yeah. yeah. You'd think you'd be able to get it out, wouldn't you? Yeah, you'd think so, yeah. But uh, 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 Jerry says, oh, well, it's damaged. It's not really damaged. <laughs> she points out that uh, there's no exchanges. You think she'd care about the dot? It's hard to say. I don't even think she'd notice it. Can you see it? Well, I can see it. Yeah, but you know where it is. Well, what do you want me to do? Not look at it? Pretend you didn't know it was there. Can you see it? It's hard for me to pretend because I know where it is. Well, just take an overview. Can't you take an overview? You want me to take an overview? Please. I see a very cheap man holding a sweater trying to get away with something. That's my overview. But it's so apt because, I mean, yeah, once you've seen something, you can never unsee it. Exactly, which is why I refuse now. I used to do it all the time when I was a kid. I used to be like, oh, my God, that's a mistake. Moviemistakes.com. Never do that for your favorite <laughs> movies because you'll always see the mistakes oh, after yeah. that. And it's all you focus on. Because we're going to be reviewing The Truman Show for our Movie Guys podcast for, for Patreon. And I know that movie's going to be ha- going to have mistakes in it throughout, but I don't want to know what they are because I love that movie so much. <laughs> but we're now at Jerry's apartment, and uh, oh, well, before we get into it, list one movie mistake that you wish you didn't know about, because every time you watch it now, it just it stands out. Well, it's funny because I think the one that really sticks out is in The Godfather, uh, where the late great James Khan is beating the hell out of his brother-in-law mm-hmm. because you know his brother-in-law is being abusive to. James Carl's trash can scene. Indeed. But there's one one scene in it where Sonny, played by Khan, is you know, takes a big swing at Carlo and it's obvious that he, he didn't touch him at all. You know, it just, there's no you see the fist, okay. Yeah, the fist just goes right past. And I, not long ago when I was watching it, I said on Twitter, like, given how much we all love The Godfather and everything about it, if, you know, someone could go back in and, you know, with a bit of special effects trickery, make it look like he actually hit him. Would you have that? Or do you like the little flaw 
that yeah. makes it imperfect. And I'm like, I think I like the little flaw that makes it imperfect. Yeah, it's kind of like in Star Wars when the Stormtrooper bonks his head. Yeah. And, and they, apparently they're going to take that out and everyone's like, no, leave it. It happened. Yeah, it make, makes it real. Stormtroopers yeah. are idiots. <laughs> but we're now at Jerry's apartment and Elaine explained that she thinks Rick's, Rick's drinking. Uh, not Rick, uh, Dick. She thinks Dick's uh, drinking again. You know, he's not, he's not being his normal self. And Jerry asks, well, can you smell it what, from one drink? Can you smell it from one drink? Yes, you would. And they, they're having a discussion. Are you sure you can smell it after one drink? And they, this is where Kramer enters. And they make the they make the deal. Right, Kramer, you have to take a drink and let me smell you. <laughs> well, let you smell me without the drink. <laughs> but he goes through his um through his cupboard. Jerry does, and he finds some Hennigan Scotch. What did he say? He's been using it as a paint thinner. Yeah, he's using it as paint thinner. Yeah, it's a couple of years old or whatever. And he, he drinks some. Kramer does, and they give a big whiff of him. And they realize they're too close to the bottle, so they, they move away from the bottle. This is where George arrives. And Kramer, meanwhile, as as George arrives, does the um the mock commercial. Boy, that Hennigan goes down smooth. <laughs> and afterwards, you don't even smell. <laughs> That's right, folks. I just had three shots of Hennigan's and I don't smell. <laughs> Imagine, you can walk around drunk all day. That's Hennigan's. No smell, no tell, scotch. I feel like this that's the kind of thing that Michael Richards would love. Just being able to sink his teeth into something just so mm. bizarre and random like that. But he just... There's really been no other sitcom character that's really encapsulated that kind of brand of humour. Can you sort of think of anyone who's even come close? Off the top of my head, no. I mean, I think, I'm sure there's always been wacky neighbour style characters, but Michael Richards put a real individual and idiosyncratic spin on it. And I think a lot of sitcoms post Seinfeld tried to come up with their version of it. Yeah. You know, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. I think, you know, you've got ones that really tried to, oh, okay, that's the Kramer. It's like, eh, but is it? The problem is, the problem is though, is you, that's the Kramer. You're not, it's not unique. You just, you're just yeah. rehashing something that was already a success. Yeah, but yeah. The, I, after watching this scene, though, I've sort of realised how well Michael Richards uses his eyebrows. His eyebrows are such a key feature <laughs> for just when he's when he's explaining things. He just he doesn't have to say anything. He just lifts one eyebrow and it just says everything. It just makes you burst out laughing. He's, he was so talented. I know he's had his. His dramas post Seinfeld, but mm. he was such a talented actor on Seinfeld. I thought it was a, this scene in particular just really showcased what Michael brought to the table. Very expressive, very yeah. expressive. Uh, George actually enters the room here, <laughs> just grabs him. I like you, so hey, George, he grabs him on the arm, and Jerry does the the swig. He's like, he's had a few. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> I missed that. I think you are terrific. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. And um, he then gives Elaine the, the sweater and she does the... She pushed uh, Jerry at the start and she pushed George here. He's like, get out, you found my watch. And get out. She pushed um, cause he because it's cashmere. <laughs> I love that her, that's her expression of affection. Yeah. Rather than a hug. I mean, she's not drawing people in. She's actually pushing them away. Yes, exactly. Yeah, that's a good, a good point. But um, Kramer, meanwhile, still promoting Hennigan's. And, um, you know, Elaine's like, is this cashmere? <laughs> Of course it's cashmere. Ah, oh, money. Who needs money? <laughs> just, just, he wants her to think that he spent 600 And uh, Jerry, how did you let him spend as much money on me? Well, I tried to stop him. <laughs> he just wants to make people happy. And um, Kramer then points out the red dot. The only negative of this episode was this was way too similar to the nose job. Oh, yeah. Where yeah. it's just like, you know, there's something going on and Kramer's just like, we just did a nose job. Everyone just stops and goes, oh, I can't believe you said that here. What's that red dot? Oh, everyone stops and I'm like, ah, it's, yeah. the, it's almost like the exact same thing, you know, with the, with the, um, with the nose job scene. But that's still funny nonetheless. She asked Jerry, what, what do you, what do you, can you see the red dot? I don't know. 
what, what do you mean you don't know i, I don't know <laughs> we've all been in that situation where we want to we want to back our buddy up but mm. it's just impossible the only thing to do is just say I, I i'm out i don't want any part of this conversation i don't know uh, he has a bit of a scotch himself what'd you say again <laughs> That whole bit of pantomime with the, with the whiskey and shooting his yeah. own. Oh, that was really good. No, nice work by Jerry. Jerry with the mannerisms once again, yeah. And Kramer, meanwhile, has passed out. because of, Again, didn't really drink much scotch and he's passed out already. <laughs> I guess he's drinking quite a bit of it in, in each glass. But anyway, George is yeah. He's working back late at night and he tells Elaine that he can't believe he's getting paid to do this job. And she leaves and then the greeting lady, Evie, arrives. And George gives mm. the old double take. Meanwhile, at Monk's, so they start the scene here with a cliche that I don't think they do all that often in Seinfeld, but you had sex with a cleaning lady on your desk? And I'm like, <laughs> uh, that's such a trope. But anyway. <laughs> yeah, sometimes it's the only way into a scene. It is, yeah. But he explains, how'd you do it? Hennigans. <laughs> he says he's always been attracted to cleaning women. Chambermaids. Yeah, I'm attracted to them too. You know, so a woman in your room. <laughs> it's and- a woman in your room. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> He explains that she was vacuuming back and forth, her hips swiveling, her breasts convulsing. <laughs> convulsing? Hey, I'm, I'm trying to help you here. Continue the story. Uh, so he explains that he started drinking some Hennigans. And he, you know, he wasn't sure if it's the alcohol or the m- ammonia. But the next thing he knew, she was mopping the floor with him. <laughs> oh, good Lord. Uh, then he mentions that he... This was actually a very... Again, unseinfeldy because it almost feels like a setup, but it was quite funny. You know, he threw up from the Hennigans. Oh, good thing there was a cleaning lady there. <laughs> I was like, that's, that's a good full stop on that scene. I quite liked it. We're now back at Jerry's and Dick has been fired and um, because he's obviously drinking again. You knew he was an alcoholic. Why'd you put the drink down at all? What are you saying? I'm not saying anything. You're saying something. What could I be saying? Well, you're not saying nothing. You must be saying something. If I was saying something, I would have said it. Why don't you say it? I said it. What'd you say? Nothing. Those kind of scenes, that kind of banter, you can just tell that Julia and Jerry just love it. They just thrive when they're having that kind of mm. conversation, don't they? They really do, yeah. I mean, it's uh, really good writing by uh, by Larry Damon as well. I mean, the, it just feels like a really nicely put together, I don't know, painting or tapestry or something. It's like, and then it goes full circle to nothing. Yes. You know, so, yeah, very, very well done. It's and ex- well performed, of course. It's exhausting being with you. And Elaine then asks if George knew about the dot. And he simply gives her the answer with an expression. He doesn't even have to say anything. I knew it. I knew it. And no, I got a deviated septum. <laughs> and, then, and then she says something again. He's like, I am shot. <laughs> and I loved here. So he's just trying to sort of talk his way out of it. And she's just going, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, that, yeah just the blah, blah face is, a, is wonderful. Very good mannerisms throughout this episode, really. Uh, George walks in. He's panicking. The cleaning lady, she's turning the screws on him. <laughs> she's, she wants a relationship or she's going to go to the boss and explain what they've been sleeping on the desk. And he says, well, you got another problem. Elaine, she's wise to the red dot. <laughs> she's, she's questioning me about it. But George says, swear, swear you won't tell her. I'm not swearing. I, I don't, I don't want to swear. <laughs> but uh, jo- uh, she then walks in, questions George. George, once again, I am shocked. <laughs> How could you ever even question me on that? I'm so sad that you would think that I would do something like that. <laughs> and this is the thanks I get yeah, at exactly. Christmas. Well, Jerry told me, how could you tell her? She tricked you, idiot, she tricked you. <laughs> and her, the big smile on her face. I thought it was just really, really good. Uh, Elaine, you don't understand. At 103 temperature, I was so dizzy, I was seeing red dots. I couldn't afford anything. I haven't worked in a really long time. And Jerry doing the mock crying behind him was just great. Meanwhile, back at work at Pendant Publishing, George gives the sweater to the cleaning lady, Evie. Cashmere? Of course it's cashmere. Oh, oh a cashmere sweater. <laughs> 
just a little something for Christmas. <laughs> when I was a little girl in Panama, a rich American came to our town and he was wearing the softest, most beautiful sweater. I said, what do you call this beautiful fabric? And he said, they call it cashmere. <laughs> I repeated the word, cashmere, cashmere. And I asked him if I could have it. And he said, no, get away from me. I started to walk away. Oh, but I grabbed onto his leg, screaming for him to give me the sweater, and he dragged me through the streets. I like after she goes on that big rant. Uh, I had a feeling you would like it. It's just like, what have I done here? I have made a big mistake. (laughs) She puts it on though and notices the red dot straight away. See, it's the kind of thing you would get away with if you just gave it to them in a wrapped up or in a box or whatever, and they didn't try it. If they didn't try it on and they took it home, you could then at least say, "Well, it didn't have a red dot when you took it away from here." When I had it, yeah. All you had to do is just, (laughs) what did you do to it? We now have some stand up. And he's talking about the hand blower, using a hand blower instead of paper towel in the other toilets. I'm a hand blower kind of guy. I don't like paper towel. I prefer the hand blower. What do you do? I'm not a huge fan of the hand blower. I do like the Dyson Which air blade. I think it might be called. You know that one where you- Oh, that's the one I'm talking about. Sorry, where you put your hands in it? Yeah. Yes, that's good. The best description I ever heard of that was a, uh, a comedian at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival who described it as fisting a ghost. <laughs> <laughs> it does feel nice though <laughs> it's really good and it's very effective uh it's i'm not a fan of the traditional uh hand dryer you it know just the blows one. shit all over your legs and everything yeah kind of yeah i mean i prefer paper towels to that but a, a, a good dyson or a good uh industrial strength yeah yes all for that he explains that it takes a long time so he'd rather use paper towel and then he gets heckled by Dick, and he heckles him back. And I was like, oh, I can just imagine Jerry really being like this. If someone tried to heckle him, oh, I don't yeah. know. I, I, I would never heckle Jerry Seinfeld. I feel like he would take it to heart, and he would make sure you go home crying. And you deserve it, because you should never heckle somebody who's on stage, because they're doing something more than lives than what you're ever going to fucking do. It takes serious balls yeah. to do stand-up comedy. Absolutely, yeah. So you've got to respect the effort, even if you don't respect the uh, actual material. I'm going to get right to the point. Uh... It's come to my attention that you and the cleaning woman have engaged in sexual intercourse on the desk in your office. Is that correct? (laughs) Who said that? She did. Was that wrong? Should I not have done that? I tell you, I gotta plead ignorance on this thing because if anyone had said anything to me at all when I first started here that that sort of thing was frowned upon. You know, because I've worked in a lot of offices and I tell you, people do that all the time. You're fired. Well, you didn't have to say it like that. I, I want you out of here by the end of the day. What about the whole Christmas spirit thing? Any flexibility there? Nah. Oh, wait, 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 wait. She wanted me to give you this. And then throws the sweater. I, I did like the fact that the sweater played a role throughout the episode, at least in various storylines. <laughs> I just love that, you know, what was initially bought as this, 
oh my god, what an incredible, you know, beautiful garment. Got it at a discount or whatever. People are just disrespecting it left and right. And it's just, yeah, follow, it's like, it's just following George around like a bad smell now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nobody wants this thing. No. <laughs> Elaine then comes to see George packing up his desk. Elaine's like, you had sex with the cleaning lady on your desk? Oh, don't act like you haven't done it. And she's like, no, I've, I've kissed somebody at work, but that's about it. You made out. Well, kissing sex? <laughs> Elaine's like, I don't think so. <laughs> no. She then, no. Jerry then arrives and uh, she asks him, did you leave the no no no? Did you leave the drink on purpose? Because George told me you did. Nice try. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't work at all. But before that though, she asked Jerry, "When did sex? Ta- when has sex taken place?" Well, when the nipple makes its first appearance. <laughs> but yeah, on that grounds though, does that mean sex is happening at the beach? I, I suppose he means the female nipple. Yes, I believe so. But I'm I'm pretty sure I've seen female nipple and not got my end away though. So. Well, if there's contact with the... Contact with the nipple. <laughs> I'd say that's when things start getting... Ribald. Yes, indeed, ribald. Um, but, but yeah, but sexual, shall we say. You know what I also liked was that Jerry was taking George out to dinner just to cheer him up. I'm like, yeah, take the kid out. Yeah, yeah. Then guess who heckin' me at the club? And then as on cue, Dick arrives. Actually very, very unsettling. Just, oh, yeah. Merry Christmas. Just dragging a fucking Christmas tree through the hall. I'll be like... What is going on here? But you know, Elaine's like, it's Cape Fear. And they all hide under the desk. De- uh, Dick enters, as I said, with the Christmas tree. And George waves the sweater like a white, white flag. <laughs> That's very, that very right. good. Is that cashmere? Of course it's cashmere. Cashmere. And then he sees the red dot as well. What's this? And yeah, it's just uh, a funny way to end the overall story. But I thought it, d- it did need this following stand-up, though, where we see him discussing how he inadvertently turns someone into an alcoholic. And now the guy says, well, as, as Dick says, you know, you mean on the wagon. Yeah. And I had that sort of like, they had that little sort of moment there where Jerry's just like, hey, you, you know, cut it out. Mm. But he appreciates and uh, respects him now, at least. So, yeah. And Dick raises his cup of coffee. He's, yeah. Uh, yeah, not drinking at the bar. He's having a nice cup of coffee. Good on that's, him. That's right. Yeah. So, overall, a, um, a really entertaining episode of Seinfeld. Much better than um, we had the, the last week was great, the alternate side, but the one before, the, 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 um, the Stranded. Seeing those comparisons so close, so the, stra- the Stranded compared to this just shows how far and how much the Seinfeld show grew in just a season. Because the, the, the season two, you watch those episodes, and they're good. There's, there's a lot of good ones in there, but they're really starting to hit that peak Seinfeld now. And this is just yeah, another example. So. And it didn't, it didn't even need much Kramer, but the Kramer that we got was great. George is just George. I think everyone just everyone just knows their role in the show now and it's just I think also when it's written by Larry David he knows what he wants from the show but I just think this was another really solid episode of, of, of Seinfeld so no, I mean I, I wouldn't go so far as to say like a, a classic or anything like that but no. it also just showed that the, the standard was really really high yes this is maybe what you'd call a quote unquote average episode of Seinfeld but the average episode of Seinfeld is like head and shoulders above just about anything else exactly right yes alright so that has been our review of The Red Dot the next episode we are reviewing here on Talking Seinfeld is The Subway another episode much like The Parking Garage and The Chinese Restaurant where it's all set with them taking the subway so I'm really looking forward <laughs> to sinking my teeth into that one on the next episode here don't forget guys 
If you do not want to become a patron of the show, it's completely understandable. We do appreciate your support there as well. But if you want to support the show in another way, you can rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or chuck us five stars on Spotify so that other people can see your reviews and think, you know what? I like Seinfeld. I like podcasts. I'm going to give this show a listen. But if you do have a couple of spare dollar reviews to chuck our way and you want to get access to a bunch of exclusive podcasts, you can go to patreon.com slash discount, get early ad-free access to this show and all the other shows we do on the network. Tales of Futurama, The Movie Guys, Guy on Springfield, and much, much more. Zoom chats with Guy and myself every month. You name it, there's plenty. There's hundreds of hours of content there, exclusive content on our Patreon channel. But this has been a review of The Red Dot. Next episode is The Subway. Mr. Davis, any final words for those amazing listeners out there? Indeed, you have been listening to Talking Seinfeld, the No Smell, No Tell podcast.